Lads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Hello there, Junior Scholars. My name is Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to inspire children and families with a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in Western literature, history, and scholarship. We must preserve the wisdom in the classics before it is lost forever, so our young ones don't have to learn these lessons on their own. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us, and a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every week. Last week, we read Jack the Giant Killer and learned about facing fear. If you missed it, go back and give it a listen. This week's story is called Tom Thumb. Many claim it to be the very first fairy tale to ever be printed in English. Before this story was recorded in 1621, Tom Thumb had already been a traditional folk character for many years. Tom Thumb may have even been a real person. There is a grave in England in a church that reads, T. Thumb, aged 101, died 1620. The grave measures just 16 inches in length. And now, lost and found words. Listen carefully to the meaning of these words and try and spot them during the story. Our first word is melancholy. Melancholy means sad. Our second word is epitaph. An epitaph are some words written in memory of a person who has died. Next, we have gambles. Gambles means running and jumping around playfully. I'm sure you're doing that a lot lately. Next is tilt. Tilt means to thrust a weapon at someone, like a spear, a sword, or a javelin. And lastly, the word mirth. Mirth is another word for amusement, to feel cheerful or laughter. Now, on to the show. Several weeks ago, on episode two, we read the story Thumbling. If you haven't heard it, you should go back and give it a listen, because today's story is very similar. The main character, Tom, is a boy no bigger than a thumb. And he's pretty smart, too. Tom has a problem, though. His smarts and wits often get him into trouble. Sometimes he is just curious, and he ends up in a bit of trouble. But sometimes he uses his smarts to cheat his friends. And nobody likes a smart boy who does that. Listen carefully for the time Tom cheats and steals from his friends. And see what happens to him as a consequence. Let's check it out. Retold by Joseph Jacobs. In the days of the great Prince Arthur, there lived a mighty magician named Merlin, the most learned and skillful enchanter the world has ever seen. This famous magician, 
who could take any form he pleased, was traveling about as a poor beggar, and being very tired, he stopped at the cottage of a plowman to rest himself and asked for some food. The countryman bade him welcome, and his wife, who was a very good-hearted woman, brought him some milk in a wooden bowl and some coarse brown bread on a platter. Merlin was much pleased with the kindness of the plowman and his wife, but he could not help noticing that though everything was neat and comfortable in the cottage, they both seemed to be very unhappy. He therefore asked them why they were so melancholy and learned that they were miserable because they had no children. The poor woman said with tears in her eyes, I should be the happiest creature in the world if I had a son, although he was no bigger than my husband's thumb. Merlin was so much amused with the idea of a boy no bigger than a man's thumb that he determined to grant the poor woman's wish. Accordingly, in a short time after, the plowman's wife had a son, who, wonderful to relate, was not a bit bigger than his father's thumb. The queen of the fairies, wishing to see the little fellow, came in at the window, while the mother was sitting up in bed admiring him. The queen kissed the child, and giving it the name of Tom Thumb, sent for some of the fairies, who dressed her little godson according to her orders. An oak leaf hat he had for his crown, his shirt of web by spiders spun, with jacket wove of thistles down, his trousers were of feathers done, his stockings of apple rind they tie, with eyelash from his mother's eye, his shoes were made of mouse's skin, tanned with the downy hair within. Tom never grew any larger than his father's thumb, but as he got older, he became very cunning and full of tricks. When he was old enough to play with the boys and had lost all his own cherry stones, he used to creep into the bags of his playfellows, fill his pockets, and getting out without their noticing him would again join in the game. One day, as he was coming out of a bag of cherry stones where he had been stealing as usual, the boy to whom it belonged chanced to see him. Aha, my little Tommy, so I have caught you stealing my cherry stones at last, and you shall be rewarded for your thievish tricks. On saying this, he drew the string tight round his neck and gave the bag such a hearty shake that the poor little Tom's legs, thighs, and body were sadly bruised. He roared out with pain and begged to be let out, promising never to steal again. A short time afterwards, his mother was making a batter pudding, and Tom, being anxious to see how it was made, climbed up to the edge of the bowl. But his foot slipped, and he plumped over head and ears into the batter, without his mother noticing him, who stirred him into the pudding bag and put him in the pot to boil. The batter filled Tom's mouth and prevented him from crying, but upon feeling the hot water, he kicked and struggled so much in the pot that his mother thought that the pudding was bewitched, and pulling it out of the pot, she threw it outside the door. A poor tinker, who was passing by, lifted up the pudding, put it in his bag, and walked off. As Tom had now got his mouth cleared of the batter, he began to cry aloud, which so frightened the tinker that he flung down the pudding and ran away. The pudding being broken to pieces by the fall, Tom crept out covered all over with batter and walked home. His mother, who was very sorry to see her darling in such a woeful state, put him into a teacup 
and soon washed off the batter, after which she kissed him and laid him in bed. Soon after the adventure of the pudding, Tom's mother went to milk her cow in the meadow, and she took him along with her. As the wind was very high, for fear of being blown away, she tied him to a thistle with a piece of fine thread. The cow soon observed Tom's oak leaf hat, and liking the appearance of it, took poor Tom and the thistle at one mouthful. While the cow was chewing the thistle, Tom was afraid of her great teeth, which threatened to crush him in pieces, and he roared out as loud as he could, Mother! Mother! Where are you, Tommy? My dear Tommy? Here, Mother! In the red cow's mouth! His mother began to cry and wring her hands, but the cow, surprised at the odd noise in her throat, opened her mouth and let Tom drop out. Fortunately, his mother caught him in her apron as he was falling to the ground, or he would have been dreadfully hurt. She then put Tom in her bosom and ran home with him. Tom's father made him a whip of barley straw to drive the cattle with, and having one day gone into the fields, Tom slipped a foot and rolled into the furrow. A raven which was flying over picked him up and flew with him over the sea, and there dropped him. A large fish swallowed Tom the moment he fell into the sea, which was soon after caught and bought for the table of King Arthur. When they opened the fish in order to cook it, everyone was astonished at finding such a little boy, and Tom was quite delighted at being free again. They carried him to the king, who made Tom his dwarf, and he soon became a great favorite at court. For by his tricks and gambles, he not only amused the king and queen, but also the knights of the round table. It is said that when the king rode out on horseback, he often took Tom along with him. And if a shower came on, he used to creep into his majesty's waistcoat pocket, where he slept until the rain was over. King Arthur one day asked Tom about his parents, wishing to know if they were as small as he was, and whether they were well off. Tom told the king that his father and mother were as tall as anybody about in court, but in rather poor circumstances. On hearing this, the king carried Tom to his treasury, the place where he kept all his money, and told him to take as much money as he could carry home to his parents, which made the poor little fellow caper with joy. Tom went immediately to procure a purse, which was made of a water bubble, and then returned to the treasury where he received a silver three-penny piece to put into it. Our little hero had some difficulty in lifting the burden upon his back, but he at last succeeded in getting it placed and set forward on his journey. Without meeting any accident, and after resting himself more than a hundred times by the way, in two days and two nights he reached his father's house in safety. Tom had traveled 48 hours with a huge silver piece on his back, and was almost tired to death when his mother ran out to meet him and carried him into the house. But he soon returned to court. As Tom's clothes had suffered much in the batter pudding and the inside of the fish, his majesty ordered him a new suit of clothes, and to be mounted as a knight on a mouse. Of butterfly wings his shirt was made, his boots of chicken's hide, and by a nimble fairy blade, well learned in the tailoring trade, his clothing was supplied. A needle dangled by his side, a dapper mouse he used to ride. Thus strutted Tom in stately pride. 
It was certainly very amusing to see him in this dress and mounted on the mouse as he rode out a hunting with the king and nobility who were all ready to expire with laughter at Tom and his fine prancing charioteer. The king was so charmed with his address that he ordered a little chair to be made in order that Tom might sit upon his table and also a palace of gold, a span high, with a door an inch wide to live in. He also gave him a coach drawn by six small mice. The queen was so enraged at the honors conferred on Sir Thomas that she resolved to ruin him and told the king that the little knight had been saucy to her. The king sent for Tom in great haste, but being fully aware of the danger of royal anger, he crept into an empty snail shell, where he lay for a long time until he was almost starved with hunger. At last he ventured to peep out, and seeing a fine large butterfly on the ground near the place of his concealment, he got close to it, and jumping astride on it was carried up into the air. The butterfly flew with him from tree to tree and from field to field at last returned to the court, where the king and nobility all strove to catch him. But at last poor Tom fell from his seat into a watering pot, in which he was almost drowned. When the queen saw him, she was in a rage, and said he should be beheaded, and he was again put into a mousetrap until the time of his execution. However, a cat, observing something alive in the trap, patted it about till the wires broke, and set Thomas at liberty. The king received Tom again into favor, which he did not live to enjoy, for a large spider one day attacked him. And although he drew his sword and fought well, yet the spider's poisonous breath at last overcame him. King Arthur and his whole court were so sorry at the loss of their little favorite that they went into mourning and raised a fine white marble monument over his grave with the following epitaph. Here lies Tom Thumb, King Arthur's knight, who died by a spider's cruel bite. He was well known in Arthur's court, where he afforded gallant sport. He rode a tilt and tournament, and on a mouse a hunting went. Alive he filled the court with mirth. His death to sorrow soon gave birth. Wipe, wipe your eyes and shake your head, and cry alas, Tom Thumb is dead. The End That was a pretty fun tale. I hope you enjoyed it. There are a few lessons in the story, but I want to focus on what we talked about in the intro. I asked you to listen for when Tom cheats during a game and steals from his friends. Did you hear it? Tom, rightfully so, got roughed up for stealing. I'm sure you know that stealing, that is, taking something that does not belong to you, is wrong. But why did Tom do that? I think Tom thought he was so smart that he could get away with doing the wrong thing and no one would be able to catch him. That may have worked for a while, but Tom eventually got caught and then received his just reward. If you think you're so smart, you think you can do the wrong thing and that makes it okay, that is called being a smart boy. Nobody likes a smart boy and behaving like that will get you in trouble and you won't have many friends. Instead, use your smarts to do good in the world and help people. Like we said back in the Thumbling episode, you need to use wisdom, which is the ability to know what the right thing to do is, along with your decision-making 
for a good life. Until next time, my junior scholars, be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. And don't be a smart boy. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the junior classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to thejuniorclassics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.